and I still is a big firm believer that if you do good for the environment, it will do good back to you. I, I believe in that in my heart. So I think when we talk about how do we operationalize our sustainability journey into supply chain, I would always have one answer is start. You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. This week, I'm joined by Abdelaziz Salah and Emily Lowenbach from Ecotone, Europe's leading organic, vegetarian, health, and fair trade food company. Ecotone is a truly fascinating business. It's been around in some shape or form for over 250 years, and for the last 30, the company has been focused on becoming the leading producer of organic foods in Europe. You may have seen some of their brands, such as Clipper, Whole Earth, and Callow, on the shelves of your local supermarket. And I have to say that their whole earth peanut butter is a personal favorite of mine, as I do still indulge in the occasional peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So Ecotone's commitment to sustainability and biodiversity is something they take very seriously, and they're very much recognized for it. In 2019, they became the first and largest European food company to be a fully certified B Corp company. Naturally, I was keen to get someone from Ecotone on the podcast so that I could find out more about how this unique company manages their supply chain. And as luck would have it, their chief supply chain officer, Abdelaziz, and I have met before. In fact, Abdelaziz has been a regular speaker at several of my events in the past. So with Equitone being such a mission-driven business, no discussion on how the company operates would be complete without also exploring the sustainability and biodiversity side of things. So I decided to invite Equitone's CSR and communications director, Emily Lowenbach, on the show so that she could provide us with some much needed perspective on how their mission informs the company's decision making. During the episode, Abdelaziz, Emily and I discussed the responsibility of being awarded the world's highest B Corp score for a global food business, the challenges of running a sustainable supply chain, and COP15's landmark agreement on biodiversity. I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you very much, Emily and Abdelaziz, for being here on Transform Talks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for the invitation. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. We're going to be talking quite a lot about uh, this industry, about supply chain, et cetera. But I I want to start off by maybe asking you a bit of a different question, something I like to ask people, which is how did you get into this industry? Maybe I'll start with you, Emily. How did you get into this industry? I think it was one of my first job. I've been working for uh, for Ecoton and Organic Market for uh, 20 years <laughs> already. Uh, 10 years in marketing and already 10 years in sustainability. So basically, I'm born <laughs> I'm born in this industry. <laughs> what about you, Abdelaziz? Well, I, I think I'm a little bit uh, older. So I actually was in the industry a little bit before the whole movement started. But um, to be honest, um, I was quite lucky that I've uh, I've worked um, in Unilever uh, during the times of, of Paul Polman, where he started planting the seed of sustainability. And I would say 
uh, a lot of the let's say the people out of Unilever have actually uh, lived their lives and uh, and got to live in the supply chain and work uh, with sustainability as a core value um, uh, to themselves and I'm one of those people so I think uh, when when I decided to join Equitone they were perfectly aligned uh, and to be honest they were taking the sustainability even the sustainability story um, a lot further than um, than in the past so for me it was quite a uh, a very good uh, match when it comes to what the company has as a purpose and what do I have as an individual uh, as well as uh, as an, my own purpose. So that's I would say how I ended up in Equitone. But, uh. Well, I was just going to say, you know, that's really interesting because we hear a lot about younger people moving to companies based on priorities that they have for the beliefs that they have, right? But, uh, you know, Again, like you say, you're not of the you're a little older, so it's quite interesting and quite refreshing to hear someone of my generation making choices about going to work at a company because it aligned to your you know your goals. So, do you think we're seeing that across the board, not ju- you know across all generations? People maybe trying to ask that question: Does this company align with what I believe in? I don't think we're seeing enough. I think it's it's very difficult to change habits. As we all know, and I think you know, when you're younger, you get to experience uh, such a big company like Unilever. It it, it changes things in you, yeah, and you start to look at uh, life around you in a different way. But if you've been always in a com- in companies which did not care about sustainability that much, uh, then the challenge is, is is more, let's say, more difficult to make that uh, change of opinion. Uh, let's not forget that we still have people who do not believe in climate change uh, in our world. So. Uh, we still have a. I would say we have a big, big challenge ahead of us. And um, and honestly, whether it's Equitone or not Equitone, I think we as human beings, we still have to do a lot more uh, to make a change in uh, in the way we live our lives. Uh, as simple as that. Yeah. No, I think uh, things that have uh, changed because um, uh, since the COVID, for example, the COVID was clearly an accelerator. We see uh, people from different generations coming to Ecoton looking for purpose, a job that makes sense, that is aligned with their own purpose. So I think um, clearly there's something different um, versus the last uh, 10 years. Do you know that's interesting that you say that? Because I would have thought logically that with all the crisis, the focus on crisis and managing crisis, that sustainability might have taken a back seat in many companies, but I've, you're echoing what I hear with a lot of people, that it is accelerated uh, the change for sustainability. So um, that's a really positive thing that you say that, and I hope everyone else listening is, is probably experiencing the same thing. I, I want to talk a little bit about Ecotone, because you're both from there, uh, and I know that as an organization, it's very much focused on the idea of biodiversity and sustainability. Uh, and that the commitment is so big from the organization that you were recently awarded the world's highest B Corp score for global food business. Now, first of all, congratulations on that. That's a very big achievement. And I know that you, moving forward, you've got some really ambitious goals. So uh, you were talking, or I was reading about 90%, you want to be 90% organic by 2030 and achieve 100% renewable packaging by 2025. I mean, just to name a few things you want to do. So maybe talk to me about the selection process of those targets and how they play a part in getting the company to where it wants to be. I think what is specific to Ecoton is uh, we are a 
a mission-led company, so according to French laws, and what we call a, a, a purpose-driven business. So all what we do, all our targets uh, are connected to our purpose. So three years ago, we, we did a, a big job. Huh? Um, we decided to refine our purpose, to ask ourselves again, what is the purpose of the company? Why do we exist? What positive contribution do we want to bring to the world? And we decided to focus on, on biodiversity. So our mission is really to, to grow healthy and delicious food that champions biodiversity. And this purpose doesn't come from nowhere. Uh, it is deeply rooted in our DNA and into our business model. I've found. In fact, we have been uh, reforming and challenging the food industry with plant-based and organic food um, for 30 years. Uh, and organic and plant-based are really two fundamentals to protect biodiversity. So that's not something new for us. That's really deeply, uh, deeply rooted uh, in our history. And, uh, but this, um, and now this purpose uh, really impulse uh, new ambition, new projects, new targets. Um, that really, um, such as, for example, um, if you, maybe you, you don't know that, but uh, two-thirds of what we eat is coming from only nine of our consumed plant spaces. And so we have taken the additional uh, target to increase the percentage of non-standard spaces in our recipe. So that's an example of how the purpose is also driving uh, uh, changes and, and new targets and new ambition uh, in our business. Yeah, so to achieve our, our mission, we need to engage all our stakeholders and especially our employees because they are in the forefront of, uh, of our mission, huh, to, of execution of our mission. So our aim is to have every single employee be part of our important mission. And to do that, in addition to training, conference, press, uh, not press, uh, webinars, uh, activities, etc., each uh, single employee has a CSR target in their annual performance goal. And that's really how we will drive the change and how we will achieve our mission. Look, because, and that was going to be my, part of my next question, because we've been talking about sustainability for so long, and it's a, it's a very worthy cause. But I still find that a lot of executives struggle with how you operationalize sustainability. It still is one of those things. How do I make it happen? So the, the fact that you've got some remuneration attached to, you know, or performance metrics attached to people, then based on sustainability goals is a very, very good way to do that. I guess the question I have for Abdelaziz now, as you know, supply chain is probably one of the biggest consumers of, uh, you know, carbon and it's really one of the, the biggest problems with regards to uh, meeting sustainability goals. How do you marry the two? You know, how do, how do you actually, given that you've got such ambitious targets and uh, does it affect the way that you do business and how you operate? So if you could talk me through some of the challenges that this is going to present to you and the work that is going on to overcome those obstacles. You know, uh, Maria, I think if I look at, you know, uh, the many years we've worked in, uh, around sustainability and, and to improve or reduce our impact on the planet, I, I always, and I still is a big firm believer that if you do good for the environment, it will do good back to you. Uh, I, I believe in that in my heart. So I think when we talk about how do we operationalize our sustainability journey into supply chain, I would always have one answer is start. Some people get stuck on reporting. They get stuck on measuring, yeah? And I think 
absolutely we have to move into that direction everywhere and we have to measure and reduce our impact um, as we move forward as supply chains but i would challenge people and say have we started our journey to reduce our waste for example have we started our journey uh, to um, to change our electricity into green sources of electricity for example have we um, started looking at different transportation modes you know you can always get stuck behind well we don't know how much we uh, let's say we impact on the environment and and you know and end up in endless um, excel sheets as we usually like to and with of course uh, many consultants uh, but i will always say we need to start and we need to get going and we need to be practical and as emily said we have um, sustainability targets uh, for everyone in the organization and uh, no matter some of them are small of course some of them are bigger um, but i think if everyone contributed in one way or the other uh, we would definitely be moving this agenda much faster uh, in the corporate world let's move to now the consumers so you know it used to be that sustainability was a topic that people were told to care about from you know those higher up perhaps maybe in management but clearly attitudes are changing now do you find that there are people that are basing their purchasing decisions on uh, different types of sustainability or CSR goals uh, generally? You know, ha has the impact of consumer behavior also been felt within organizations? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, now we, let's say, let me put it this way, our contracts and our relationships with our suppliers have sustainability targets into them. So we do speak with our suppliers on improving their um, carbon footprint, for example. And, and just as of yesterday, um, I was in a call where we, where we were talking that we are actually getting the supplier to join the B Corp movement. Uh, and they, to be honest, they were quite uh, excited about joining this. So again, with our partnerships with our suppliers, we can work together and, and make sure that they join in, in our journey. Because to be honest, if you look at the scope one, two, and three, um, you know, there's always more that you can gain by expanding your network uh, and your influence. Um, and that's what exactly what we're doing through our procurement uh, department in Epito. So supplier relationship is actually quite key. And I would imagine visibility as well uh, within your supply chain at all layers is going to be something that is going to be key to identify where the risks may be uh, with regards to the sustainability goals, yes? Absolutely. Okay. So what challenges are there there? Or do you think that automation helps with that? Do you think communication helps with that? What are some of the ways that you have been able to implement something like this at Ecotone? I think it comes, and Emily, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it comes from having the, the purpose of making the change. I think that's the starting point. And it's not easy. I'm not claiming that going through this journey is, is anything... Uh, uh, less than uh, than difficult, but I think it all starts with the purpose. And if you're you have the purpose, you will find the ways to do it. Um, and you know, I can share one of my examples where I worked in the past uh, in one of the factories without naming uh, anyone, uh, but that factory had a problem of reaching uh, zero waste to landfill for maybe fifteen years before I joined. And because people have said, "Oh, we've done it ten million times." Uh, we cannot do it. it. It's not possible. We cannot get rid of the waste of that factory in uh, in a responsible uh, manner. And because I went in with the purpose of, no, we will find a way. And guess what? When we just 
redid what they did in the past by just re-looking at all the options, they found an option and that option even turned out to be quite, not only financially good for the company, but we ended up creating fertilizers uh, at the end of the day, uh, which was actually sold out to farmers. So again, it's, yes, it's not difficult, it's not impossible, uh, but it, it, does, it does require some patience and resilience um, uh, and focus to go back and, uh, and again and again to try to fix some of our problems in supply chain. I, I, I like that. I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of times there's this fixation for I'm going to buy this new technology and that's going to help me solve this or I'm going to start measuring and that's going to help me solve this. But the mindset element, both from top to down, is going to be something that is uh, perhaps it's where to start and that's the key. So with that in mind, some of the things that I hear from other people is that the siloed mentality of some organizations, especially large scale organizations, sort of works against sustainability goals. So you'll have examples of the sourcing and procurement team looking to reduce costs, which sometimes means that they have to get things from further away uh, or things with suppliers that don't have that much visibility. Uh, how important is it for you to drive, uh, you know, breaking down silos and how have you managed to achieve that? You know, we have something in the supply chain which is called a balanced core card. And the reason it's called balanced is actually because it forces you to balance between the different elements. And the, the question I would ask then, have you put sustainability in your scorecard uh, to start with? Because if, if you don't have sustainability in your scorecard, um, then it becomes as a second or a third priority. Yeah? Um, and, and then cost takes uh, the first place. Of course, cost is, is key. Cost is very important. And you know, companies will not be here if, if they don't uh, take cost uh, management seriously. And I think I always say that even in Ecotone, yes, we are a purpose-led company, but we need to be profitable at the end of the day. So, because if we're not profitable, we will not be able to do the good things we want to do, simply. Uh, so there is, so you have to balance out. Uh, you know, if you make a decision to move to China, you have to balance that with something else. Um, and to be honest, even if you look at majority of the discussions today, maybe they are the right discussions about having, um, let's say, uh, zero carbon uh, or you know, net zero, for example, if, uh, if you look at it. I think as we move forward, we will have to even to be net positive uh, as, as some companies will get into that league. Uh, once they become net zero, they move to become uh, a positive uh, where you actually have a better impact on the environment. Um, so yeah, it's all about balance scorecards as much as we ba manage service and inventory. Uh, at the same time, we try to get the best service with the lowest inventory. How can we get the lowest cost with the lowest impact on, uh, on the planet? And of course, there is no simple solution, uh, but that's where we have to get our brains around it and operate in that mindset. I, I love that uh, balance. Uh, you're, I think you're absolutely right. So as we know, last year COP15 ended with a landmark agreement on biodiversity. So how encouraging is it from, uh, for a company like Ecotone to see the ongoing process that is being made from a legislative perspective? Yes, so I can answer to this one. Uh, when we chose to, to focus on biodiversity a few years ago, it was quite a, a pioneering topic and, and still it is today. So while many people are now aware about climate change, um, 
many people still don't know much about biodiversity erosion. And many people ignore that, for example, we have lost 80% of insects uh, over the past 30 years. So um, clearly, uh, biodiversity is, um, is still an unknown topic, but hopefully it's a rising topic. Huh? A lot of NGOs, experts, and recently COP15 uh, contributed to raise awareness uh, on this topic. And, and, they, and they recognize also the use of pesticides, chemical pesticides, as a key driver of uh, biodiversity erosion. But there is still a lot to do. Uh, and in fact, as I said, it's still a pioneering topic, for example, uh, on contrary of carbon, there is no uh, standard metric to measure biodiversity impact. That's why, for example, we have joined the science-based target for nature, uh, which aiming to to define common methodology to be able to set, uh, to measure and set scientific target for nature. But clearly, um, carbon is a very well-known topic. Biodiversity is still a rising topic and pioneering topic on which we have a lot to do, uh, mainly as a food company. So um, before we dive into the final segment, I wanted to really quickly touch upon some of the work that you're doing with your foundation around biodiversity. Uh, I know that there are a lot of plans to grow this. I think the question for me really is, how do the initiatives of the foundation that you have impact the day-to-day decision-making of Ecotone? So our foundation has the same purpose of our company. It pursues the same goal. So our foundation supports a project, general interest project, that contribute to protect and grow biodiversity. So we support either a research project to foster knowledge on biodiversity, for example, such as um, the knowledge on the link between uh, diet and biodiversity, how diet and biodiversity are connected. And we support also field projects, uh, tangible projects in the field to restore uh, biodiversity, such as, for example, replanting edges to regenerate biodiversity in the field. Those edges that has been massively destroyed in the 50s, for example, in France, because of intensive farming. So we balance between uh, research and field, uh, and field project. But the, really, um, the thing that is really great uh, with our foundation is that we are connected to a very rich ecosystem of NGOs, experts, passionate people that contribute to strengthen our conviction and maybe also sometimes allow us to identify some weak signal and finally adapt our CSR strategy. So it's independent from the business, but at the end, it's all about the same purpose and it's all about the, the same um, goal to protect, grow, and cherish biodiversity. So before I let you go, uh, I want to ask you a question that I ask all my guests uh, as the same final question, which is, what book would you say has had the big Im- biggest impact in your life, uh, whether that's a personal book or a professional book, and uh, why? I guess let's start with Emily and then go to Abdelaziz. <laughs> it's not an easy question. I've got so many books that... Uh, that had uh, influence and still have influence on my life. But for this interview, I think I will choose um, L'Homme qui plantait des arbres, de Jean Giono, the man who was planting tree. I don't know if it's a correct translation in English, but it's a story of, um, of a shepherd uh, who used to um, collect uh, tree seeds and plant them every day. And at the end, succeed to plant a huge uh, forest in the south of France. So it's a very um, iconic story. <laughs> and just to, to, it echoes to me because it just says that if you want to, to change something, you just have to start to do it. 
And even if it's a small thing, if you are really uh, do it every day and, and really uh, 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 work hard to do it, then at the end it can have a big impact. Um, so yeah, I, I think I will I will I will say two things, and I'll choose. It's very difficult to choose one book as a favorite book, but I I think um, a book that I found very insightful, uh, which was uh, the book by Bill Gates, which is How to Avoid a Climate uh, Disaster, because it gave um, it didn't give just hope. It gave um, let's say answers to a lot of the things that we can do now. Uh, to basically um, avoid a climate disaster in the future. So I found it very simple to read, very engaging, and uh, I definitely encourage people to read it. Uh, there is a way out for us, and I think that book in general lays out some of the foundation of the things that we can do in our everyday life and also at an industrial level um, on how to move forward. And uh, just want to end with one quote, which is a proverb I've it might not be African, but I did learn that proverb in, in Africa, which is, it, to Emily's point, it says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on, on to Transform Talks. I also want to congratulate you on the work that you're doing at Ecotone. It sounds, it sounds fantastic and very forward-thinking. As a matter of fact, an example to a lot of other companies. So I want to thank you for being on here, for sharing your story and your insights. And uh, I'm sure that we're going to see you again. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Have a nice day. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.